All right, a woman, a Samaritan, a Samaritan came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? And the Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God. Okay, turn it over. There we go. If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you wouldn't be asking me for a drink, and I would be giving you fresh living water. The woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is deep, so how are you going to get this living water? Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks this water I give will never thirst, not ever. The woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty. Whenever I have to come back to this well again... He said, go call your husband and then come back. I have no husband, she said. That's nicely put. I've got no husband. You had five husbands, and the man you are living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. And then Jesus said this, and this is what we really need to hold on to today. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for, those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. Those are the, that's the kind of people the Father is looking out for, those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm Bill Stevens, one of the pastors here. So glad that you guys are here joining us today. And we're in the second part of a, just a two-part series that we're doing called Illusion, Taking Off the Mask. Next week, we're going to start tackling Revelation. It's a, it's, a, it's a book that nobody ever really wants to read. They get to that point in the Bible, and they say, I think I've read enough. We're going to, start, we're going to, read, uh, we're going to look through that starting next week. But this week is just part of this two-part thing on the mask that we, that we wear and the, and the illusion that we present, the illusion versus the reality, the illusion we present of what's going on in our lives versus the reality of what's, what's really going on. And, and, and you know, Jesus speaks right to that when, he say, when he's saying that he wants, God wants us to be simply and honestly ourselves before him in our lives. He wants us to be ourselves in that. But we're not very good at that. And we tend to wear the mask. And so we want to we walk through that. Now, in doing that, in preparation for this, there's three books that I've been spending a lot of time in, okay? The first one is the Bible, because the Bible speaks to this stuff. And we're going to be looking at what the, what the Word of God says around this stuff, okay? The second one is The Silence of Adam, or, or the new book, the, the new title. It's the same book. It's called The Men of Courage. This is the best book I've ever read around, around to, to men around what it looks like to live your life out for the Lord. It's the best one I've ever, I've, I've read lots of different books around men and what men need to do. And, and sometimes it's like, we got to go back to our caveman roots and we got to be strong. And, and you, know, you know, a lot of men can't relate to that. But what Larry Crabb writes about with Men of Courage, he's gone, all men, I think, can relate to the fact that we tend to hide and we tend to be silent. And what's that look like to actually step up into, into a place of, of courage? But the interesting thing about reading a book like this is as I read it again, I've read this a couple of times now, but as I read it again, I'm just reading it going, this is not just for men. This is for women, too. Women could be reading this thing and just go, that's me, that's me and that's what I need to do. And so it's a book that I think every man should read, but I think every woman should read as well, not only to relate more to men, but also to just, it, it speaks to you too. The third one that I was reading that, I, that spoke to me for this, for this talk is Lisa Turkhurst's book called Unglued. I don't know how many of you guys recognize that name, Lisa Turkhurst, but she's, one of, she's a great author and a great communicator, and she wrote this book called Unglued around our emotions, and as I'm reading that one, it's two women. 
But I'm reading it going, oh my gosh, this totally is me in here too. And so either I'm really in touch with my feminine side to, to, to get that, or I'm going, I, she's speaking right to me. And you know what? The, the women like Lisa Turkhurst and women like Jen Hatmaker, these the, the, the brilliant, brilliant ladies that could speak right into the heart of men and women. And so guys, start reading some of these books too. I think that you need to to dig into this and to dig into the parts around our emotions that you don't want to, you don't want to address. So, so these three books are the three that kind of helped kind of define and the direct where we're going with this. It's, a, it's an issue that we all have to face because here's, here's the deal. We got stuff in our life. We got stuff in our life that we're dealing with, and, and what we're not dealing with. There's stuff in our life, and we just keep pushing it down, and other things keep coming to the surface, and we're just going, as we push that down, as we wear the mask, as other things come to the surface, are we really, really not only addressing those things, but are we, are we really living into what God wants us to live into and speaking into those things? We want to talk about that this morning, okay? So let's pray together, and then we'll, then we'll dig into this, okay? Father, we thank you for this morning and the chance to, to, to gather and to, to read your word and, to, um, and to, to draw closer to you. We love it that we can do that. And God, I pray that each one of us, no matter what our circumstances are in our life right now, whatever's happened to us this morning, whatever frustration we had, I pray that right now you'd be able to, to intercept it and help us to draw closer to you and understand a little bit of our weakness and your strength. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, well, a couple of weeks ago, you guys here at church, we celebrated a big deal. It was a milestone in our church. It was the, it was the moment that we, we purchased this piece of land. And, uh, and so, so two weeks ago, we celebrated the purchase of that land, that this was going to be a, this is a new step for us as a church, that we're, that we're now in the process of, of looking to, to, to do all the, the steps that are needed with the city in order to then put a shovel in the ground and start building this church that will last longer, God willing, longer than any one of us. And there will be a place that's going to bless the heck out of this city. That's, we cannot wait for that. And so this was a milestone day two weeks ago. And so Jim came up and he shared a lot of stuff about it. And they did a flash mob in here. And it was, it was, this, it was a celebration. I wasn't here for it, you guys, and I feel bad about that. I wasn't here for it. I was gone that weekend. And, and so I missed a, a real big moment in our church. But I have to tell you, I wasn't feeling super bad about it because at that point, right as this service was starting, I was on about the third hole of a, of a, of a, of a golf course down in Phoenix. It was about, at that point, about 73, 74 degrees. It got up to 82 that day. And so I was just walking and playing golf and missing, the, I wishing I was back here at home. No, I wasn't at all. I, I just, I was, I was loving it there, you know? So Jim's texting me, Bill, you're missing out. And I'm going, well, kind of, kind of, kind of not, you know? <laughs> uh, I'm down in Phoenix and I was with my, I was with this group of guys. It's a group of guys, it's of, there's eight of us and we have been meeting for 21 years now. Okay, this, these, once a year we get together, we call it our covenant group because we made a covenant with each other that we were going to commit to this. No matter what was going on in our lives, we're going to commit to once a year getting back together again and to share life together. Now, when we get together, we, we do, we play a lot of golf. We, um, a couple of guys drink too much. A couple of guys are chewing too much. Uh, you know, I don't do any of that stuff. I just play the golf and that's it, right? Yeah. And, and, and. And, but we hang out together, we have a blast, we have a lot of fun, we reminisce a ton about life through all those years together and the life we've shared. 
But then we get together and we actually dig into what's been going on into each of our lives. Each one of us, get this, each one of us get an hour to share. Where you sit there and you say, here's what's going on. Here's the very good. Here's the best parts, but here's the hardest parts. Here's the parts that I'm the most scared. Here's the parts with me and my, and my wife. Here's the part with me and my kids. We share all of those things, and it takes about an hour. You think about it through the year. Oh, I got to share this with my guys when I get down there. And then, and then after that, it's about a half hour questions from then. And they ask a bunch of questions and they dig in deeper. Now, you said that you were struggling in that area last year. How are you doing this year with that? You said that your marriage is struggling, but you were general in that. Come on, be more specific with that. The questions probe quite a bit more into what's really going on. And then we pray for each other. We spend about 10 or 15 minutes praying over that person. And we go to the next person and we do the same thing. And it takes a while over the three or four days to get through us all. But that, man, that is sharing life with each other. I was sitting there looking around that circle of these guys, these close friends of mine now, and I'm thinking about the things that we have gone through together. I'm thinking about the, 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 some of us have lost jobs, we were fired. Some of us, were, some of us just, just were laid off from our jobs, moving across country. Some of us have had a bunch of kids, some of us couldn't, get, couldn't have kids. Some of us have gone through that adoption process. Some of us, there's been suicide in it. There's been, there's a, one, of, one of our guys lost his, his nine-year-old son to cancer, and we walked through that. There's been divorce in it. There, you name it, and I feel like our guys have gone through it as we, as we bring that stuff to the surface. And the biggest thing that we got to do when we get together is we say, we got to drop the mask, drop whatever you've been hiding, and in this moment, during this time, we're going to dig in. And you know what? It's funny because every once in a while, the mask still comes back out, and we'd want to be general, and the, guy, the other guys won't let each other. We won't let each other be general. You just go, no, 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 come on. What are you hiding in that? We drop the mask, and we just go, okay, this is the time to be honest. I started thinking about you guys on the flight back home, which is honest. That's when I started thinking of you guys. I started thinking about you guys on the flight back home, and I thought, man, if we got into groups of eight... And we shared the same thing and we were honest and we dropped the mask and we dropped the act or we dropped, here's what I'm supposed to look like. And we were actually honest about our feelings. We were actually honest about our stuff, the things that are going on, the things in our marriage, the things with our roommate, the things with, at school. When you're honest about that stuff, I think that there'd be a lot of similar stories that would come out with eight random people. In fact, I thought about it, I thought this would be a sweet activity for us to do this morning, because this is what we like to do for you guys that are new. What we're going to do is we're going to break you guys up into groups of eight. <laughs> well, you guys laugh. You guys, you, guys, you guys spoiled it. All the new people are going, oh, no, let's get out of here. <laughs> that would be a nightmare for me, you guys. <laughs> My group of eight now and share your deepest, darkest. No, we're not going to do that. But, but if we got you guys together, I think you guys would share some of that stuff. I think we'd be honest with each other with that. I looked at, I was, I, was, I was preparing this talk at, at Starbucks. I love working at Starbucks and, and just kind of watching people. I'm a people watcher and I like thinking about just what's going on in their life. And if you've heard me speak before, every once in a while I actually journal about that. I actually think about just what's going on in that person's life as they get up to buy, to buy their coffee. And, and so I wrote, wrote about this. I'm sorry if you were at Starbucks the day that I wrote, so I'm writing about you. So here's, here's what it said. Here's what I said. I said, what Pinterest life are we presenting today? What mask are they wearing? What pressing issue is coming from home? 
Which one has a heartbreaking problem with their child that won't go away, but they put the smile on their face today? Which one parked their nice car outside knowing every time they get in and it reminds them that they're financially stretched far beyond their means? Which one paints the picture of all together, yet at home they just left a silent house again? No good morning, no thank you, mom, no kiss goodbye, just silence. The worst kind of disengagement. Which one was on the edge of tears coming in, overwhelmed, not sure why? Which, one, which one's body hurts so bad they can't sit for more than 15 minutes in these hard wooden chairs in this little coffee shop? Which one can't shake the abuse, can't address their sexual identity, can't get past their addiction, can't break free from their depression, can't get themselves to talk to their wives, haven't experienced intimacy in their marriage in months, can't picture life without changing a diaper, can't get past the loneliness of walking aimlessly on campus, can't, get, can't rid themselves of the anger from injustice, or can't seem to drop the labels others have put on them? Who wants to say, I don't like being a parent right now, but can't? Who wants to scream out, I don't know what to do, but they can't? Because that would show weakness. So many times over these 20 years, when we were being honest with each other, we just go, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with this grief. I don't know what to do with this anger. I don't know what to do with, with, with my wife and what's going on with my wife. I don't know what to do with my kid. I don't know what to do in my job. I am lost in my job. I don't have a job. I don't know what to do. How many people are saying that at some point on the inside, but on the outside, man, we cannot, we're not. Who's, who's living with confusion? Who's living with chaos? Who's living with unknown? We don't know who is because we're dang good at not showing it. We don't know who is because we're really good. Here's what we do. We walk into that coffee shop and we, and we get that, you know, tall, skinny, vanilla, praline latte thing and we set it down on a table and we pull out, sometimes, some of you might even pull out a Bible. And you sit it there, and then you take a picture of it, and then you put it on Instagram. Another great day at the coffee shop. But on the inside, you know there's things going on, but you will never, ever present that. Because that would show weakness. Let's be honest, we don't do good with the unknown. We don't, do, we don't do good when we feel helpless. We don't do good when we're out of control. We don't do good when it's unpredictable. We don't do good when, when chaos is reigning. We don't do good with the I don't know what to do's of our life. We have perfected, perfected the mask. It's, it's where we are all uh, artists. We're brilliant artists. And we, have we, we paint that mask really, really well. And we make sure everybody sees that I'm okay. In fact, we say that one four-letter word that, that is, we all say, I'm fine. I'm fine. How you doing? I'm fine. You tell yourself, I'm fine. But are we? Are we, are we really fine? We convince ourselves we are because we've perfected this. I mean, shoot, even, even in the littlest thing, I mean, I'm a, as a dad, 
There's this expectation as a dad that you're just the most courageous person in the family. So if there's something, a noise downstairs, you got to go down those stairs and you got to go see what's going on. And as you're walking down the stairs, you're just going, I hope it's that stupid cat. Anytime you ever say cat, you have to say stupid before it. I hope it's that stupid cat. And, and, and you're just going, because and, and, if it's cat, I can handle it. But if it's a dude, I don't want to handle it, you know? So you, but you got to act courageous. It's like when you see a mouse. Who has to take care of the mice in your house? You know, who does that? Because it's, it's supposed to be dad. Dad's going to handle the mouse. I walk up to a mouse and I'm like, I've seen Monty Python. I've seen that rabbit that goes chewing at the guy's neck. That's what the mouse is going to do. I know it is. So I'm walking up to that mouse just going, just, I, just don't touch my neck, you know? But I'm supposed to present myself as courageous. And that's what we do. We present ourselves on the outside as strong, even though we feel weak. We present ourselves on the outside as I've got it under control, even though nothing's under control on the inside. We present ourselves on the outside saying, it's all right. And it's not all right. We present ourselves on the outside that says, I don't need any help. And on the inside, we're saying, I don't know what to do. And that's our, that's, if we're being honest, that's what happens for most of us at one time or another. And you might even say, you might say, well, Bill, am I, am I supposed to say it? When someone says, how are you doing? Am I supposed to really tell them? You know, if I walk down to you, it's, it's meet and greet time here at, at Ascent. And you're, and how are you doing, Bill? Well, I'm fine, except for the fact that my daughter just graduated from college and now her student loans are kicking in and we did a parent plus loan, so we gotta pay for that. And um, they're getting to the age of, of marriage and so I gotta start figuring out how in the world I'm gonna pay for those kinds of things. And, uh, you know, I, 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 retirement at some point I gotta start thinking about. And so I was so stressed about that that I stayed up at four o'clock in the morning eating two dozen cookies and now I feel sick. Is that what I'm supposed to say? You're going, uh, that was more than I wanted to know. We didn't want to know all that. But man, we gotten good at just going, yeah, see, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say anything. And so we walk around, we walk around with this, with this confusion. We walk around with this, this thing that we have suppressed. We walk around with this stuff that we won't let out we walk around with that, and we know that on the outside we're presenting one thing, and on the inside we're feeling another. And we just keep pushing it down. And on the outside it feels okay, but on the inside there's, there's a different feeling, and it's, it's, a, it's almost like it's a, it's a darkness. It's almost like it's, this morning when I woke up at 5 in the morning, I, I had to keep the lights out because, because Jackie was still sleeping, but I knew there were two dogs sleeping on the floor at the end of our bed, and I knew that there was a, the laundry basket was sitting there from, from the night before, and so I, I had to, to kind of, through the dark, stumble my way around, hoping like I could step on Sam's head, you know? And so, I, so I'm stumbling around in the dark until I finally got into that bathroom where I could turn the light on. And a lot of us, that's the way we feel. We feel like we're just in the dark. We feel like, man, underneath I'm in the dark and I cannot let any light into that because that would show weakness. So we walk around in the dark. Well, what's really interesting is in this book, in the Bible, there's a lot of stuff around darkness in the Bible, a lot of stuff around darkness. Now, you got to keep in mind, there's different, there's darkness is mentioned in different, in different ways in the Bible. When a pastor comes up in front and he, he gives you a, 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 the, the, the Greek definition of a word or the Hebrew definition of the word, sometimes they're doing that just to show off. 
But most of the time, you'd hope that they do it because you're saying, look, what we have as one word, darkness, in the English language, in, in Greek or in Hebrew, there might be different definitions for that word. And there might be other words that we use and then we'll end up calling that darkness. In the Bible, there's three different kinds of definitions of darkness. There's, and, and we got to make sure as we're reading through it that we, we, we recognize what is, what's darkness. And we're talking about that we kind of feel like we're in the dark and it addresses that. What, dark, what is that talking about? The first kind of darkness, let me just give you a quick little rundown. The first kind of darkness is the darkness of secrecy. And that's a darkness that's around sin, okay? That's the darkness that's around the things that we have turned our back on God with. You see that in a passage like John 3.19. It says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. That's not talking about a darkness like we're talking about with the things that, that, are, just, that are riding underneath the surface for us. That's talking about just sin in our life. And the darkness that comes from the sin in our life and turning our back on God. And Jesus wants to, to, to actually pull us out of that darkness. We are called out of that darkness and into the light. Okay, so in, in John, 1 John 1, 5, it says, Here then is the message which we heard from him and now proclaim to you. God is light and no shadow of darkness can exist in him. Consequently, if we were to say that we enjoyed fellowship with him and still went on living in darkness, we should be both telling and living a lie. So that is a darkness of secrecy and a darkness of sin. Okay, so that's one of the darkness, the, the words of darkness in the Bible. Okay, another one is a darkness of judgment. Jude 6 says, And the angels who did not keep their own position but left their pro proper dwelling has kept an eternal change in deepest darkness for the judgment of that great day. That, that, that's a darkness of judgment. That's a darkness of, of, you know, if you have chosen to just stay away from God, I don't want any part of him. For You could do that for eternity and wander in a darkness. That's a darkness of judgment. But there is a third darkness in the Bible, and this is the one you've got to really you gotta grab hold of because it's speaking right to what we're talking about. And this is a darkness of confusion, okay? This is another word that you see. It's a darkness of confusion. It's a darkness in that moment with your wife or your school, or your job or your family or whatever's going on. It's that darkness of confusion that you feel. And the Bible actually addresses that. And there's a word that is literally defined as confused or confusion. When Moses goes before Pharaoh and the, and the plagues of Egypt, one of the plagues was the plague of darkness, and that word was literally, literally means, it, it means confused. And so it was confused. There was a, there was a confusion. It was, and they said it was a darkness that could be felt. And I love that because that's what we feel. We feel this kind of deep grip that's on us around those things that we cannot show to anybody else. It's a confusion. Now get this, you guys. I, I love this. I think this is so cool. When you, when you go to the very beginning of the Bible, at the very beginning, you go to Genesis chapter 1, when God, the, 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 the origin of it all, when God first created everything, when you go to that, at the very beginning it says, now on the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep. And that literally is translated as confusion. In God's ultimate creation and design, there was confusion over it all. But then it says, but God, God was right there and he was about to do something. He was about to do something powerful. In that moment where all that confusion was at, you know that God's about to do something powerful. 
I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases this because it speaks right to us. He says, earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness and inky blackness. I love that. Think about that with the things that we're talking about, the things that you have hidden from everybody else. It's, a, it's an emptiness. You feel this emptiness. You feel this soup of nothingness. Isn't that the way we feel? When you're in the heart of, of your depression, is there a moment that, you're, that there's, a, there's a, a, a soup of nothingness that you feel? When you're in the heart of, of grief, is there a part of you that is, is feeling a bottomless emptiness? When you're in the grip of loneliness and you present to the world that you're not, you, you, you Snapchat, just you look at me with all these friends, but, it, but you look at yourself and you go, but I'm extremely lonely. Do you feel an inky blackness? Does God relate to that? It says this, it says God's spirit brooded like a bird above the watery abyss. When we feel that abyss that we feel in our lives, God's, God's spirit brooded like a, like a bird above that watery abyss. He's going, I'm right here. And then he says, God spoke light and light appeared. Man, I think about this, you guys. I think about a mom with a couple of kids. I think about, you know, you got a little kid and then a little baby and you're just, you're overwhelmed like crazy. You can't sleep at night. You're, 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 you're exhausted all the time. The crying is just, it's just fingernails on a chalkboard to you. You're just going, how do I make it through? What do I do today? Three days later, you finally take a shower because you just, that's, that, that's impossible to even do that. You know, you put mascara on one eye, you know, and you're just going, that's the best I can do. You know, you're just trying to put yourself together in some way. You're feeling words like emptiness and nothingness and an inky blackness. All that stuff is all happening right there. All, and you have to hide it all and come in all presented and with a really cool stroller. And that's going to show off to people because you got a really cool stroller. And you just go, but inside you're still feeling all that. And God is brooding over it. And he's going, hey, I want to speak into that. Hey, hey, I want to speak light into that. And I want to speak life into that. And I want to speak beauty into that. But I can't do it if you're going to hide from it. I can't do it if you're just going to keep hiding and hide it from me and hide it from anybody else. I want to speak into that. I want to speak light into that. I want to, I want to show you that I'm present in that. He's, he's hanging out right over the surface, ready to do something powerful. He might not take us out of, our, out of our darkness. He might not take us out of the confusion. You're still going to have the baby right there. You're still going to have your, he's not going to take us out of the darkness, but he's going to speak into it. And then you see throughout scripture that it keeps going. You see it, you see it when Moses is with, on Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments, and they said there was a, a dark cloud that was all over everybody. There was a confusion that was over everybody. And what did Moses hear? He didn't see. He just heard the voice, the voice of God. Can we hear that voice as we continue to hide? Do you guys know that voice is right there? When you're in the heart of your stuff, when you're hurting, when you're scared, do you know that voice is right there? And he wants to breathe light and life into what's going on in your life. 
or we just keep hiding. When, a, when, a, when that woman came to the well and Jesus was there, the passage that we read when we first came in, Jesus didn't take her out of the darkness. She still went home and she still had five husbands that she had to deal with, five other husbands and the sixth one that she was working on. But Jesus spoke into her life and he shed light on her life. She walked away just going, he knew me from the inside out and there was something about the way that she expressed it that she was free, that she was lighter because God shed light into that darkness. And you know what happens when that, just that little crack of light comes in? You go, okay, now I can start to see a little bit more. And that's what Jesus is offering to us. But we keep pushing it away. And we keep saying, no, 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 I'm going to put a blanket over that right now. Well, here's what happens when we put that blanket over there. Here's what happens when we keep suppressing it. One is, is Lisa Turkers talks about it. Our emotions will get the best of us. The blanket's like a mesh blanket. It's got holes and it just keeps bubbling up. And, and our emotions will get the best of us and it'll hit the rest of our life. This is what she said. She said, I have to figure this out. What's my problem? Why can't I seem to control my reactions? I stuff. Just what we're talking about. We suppress it. I stuff and then I explode. And I don't know how to get a handle on this. But God, help me. If I don't get a handle on this, I will destroy the relationships I value most and weave into my life permanent threads of short-temperedness and shame and fear and frustration. It's what I, is, is that what I really want? Do I want my headstone to read, well, on this day she was nice. She was really nice. But on the day she wasn't, rest assured, hell hath no fury like the woman who lies beneath the ground right here. God, it's so real. I vow to do better tomorrow, but better proves elusive and my vow wears thin in the face of daily annoyances and other unpleasant realities. Tears slip in and I'm worn out from trying, always trying. I know what it's like to praise God one minute and the next minute yell and scream at my child. That's just for women. <laughs> it's not, come on, we all got that. When we're sitting there in our group in Phoenix and we're talking through it, the first thing we have to deal with is our emotions. First thing we talk about is, yeah, just my anger dominated me this year. And then we go with them, what's underneath the surface? What is it that we've covered up? What is it that our emotions are getting the best of us? Here's what we do. We get silent. Mary Crabb talks about this. We get silent. We, we, we look at the issues of our life and we just stay silent about it. I don't know what to do about my, about my depression. I'll just stay silent. I don't know what to do about my anger. I'll just stay silent. I don't have to do about my roommate. I'll just stay silent. I don't have to do about my kid. I just, I'm trying to connect and we cannot connect. I'll just stay silent. I won't talk to anybody. I won't go talk to someone that has, has dedicated their life and their education to, to learn and how to help somebody get to, to walk through that stuff that's underneath the surface. I'm not gonna go to a therapist. I'm not gonna go to a counselor. No, no, those people, I, I, I don't need that. I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't need to talk to anybody about it. I'll just stay silent. Now, what Larry Crabb mentions the most in The Silence of Adam is he talks about this fear of management, because the third thing we do is we try to manage it all. 
We look at it and we say, I'm going to manage this whole thing. I'm going to figure it out. And if we can figure this out, then I'm going to be all right. He talks about this in the sphere of management. He says, the sphere of management, we can move with the confidence that we have at least some power to control things, to set objectives and to pursue them according to a workable plan. He says we do that in our life, we do that in our faith. We, our prayers, our management prayers, if I pray this and pray this and pray this, this will happen. And, we, and it becomes management prayers. And when it doesn't happen, then we stop praying. And our prayer life stinks because it didn't work in the management of this life. We look at that with scripture and we just go, I'm gonna find the three passages of scripture. And if I do these three passages, then I'm gonna be okay. And he calls that recipe theology. It's recipe theology. We just look at him and just go, if I follow this recipe, it's gonna work. We try to manage it. When we, we, I don't know what to do about my grief, we manage our way out. I don't know what to do about my loneliness, I'm gonna manage it. I'm gonna figure out how to manage it. I don't know what to do about the, the lack of emotional intimacy in my marriage. We manage it. I'll and, and tell me how well that's working. Tell me how good it is. Tell me, what, tell me men, tell me when you go to your wives and you say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, manage, I'm gonna, I'm gonna manage our emotional intimacy. I got a plan, honey. Here's what it's going to be. And if we do A, B, and C, then we're going to be emotionally intimate. I figured it out. Tell me how good that's working. Or, or your wives. When you go to your husband, you go, I got a plan. And this is going to make us have far more emotional intimacy. <laughs> Does it work? It works to an extent. With any of those things, it works to an extent. But man, when you start pulling out the hard stuff, when you start going, man, I lost my job and I am feeling inadequate. I'm feeling like I'm not marketable. I have no, I have no purpose. I cannot provide. Management falls short. When you lose your nine-year-old kid to cancer and you face an overwhelming grief, management falls short. When you're trying to have kids and you, want, you see everyone else around you having kids like popping up like daisies and you're just going, I can't, I, I, we can't get pregnant, management falls short. When you're 30 years old and you've been a bridesmaid 42 times and you just can't, you can't find that person. I'm going to manage this. It falls short. Your marriage is on the edge of divorce. You're struggling with anger. Sometimes that management only hits part of that. And Larry Crabb says we got to enter into instead a sphere of mystery. The sphere of mystery, it says it exists wherever we are dealing with things that are finally unpredictable or whatever order exists cannot be understood well enough to give us the control we desire. In the sphere of mystery, we can move only with a confidence in someone we trust but can never control. In the sphere of mystery, we can move only with a confidence in, the, in someone we trust but can never control. We can't control him, but we can trust him. He's hovering like a bird over the abyss. And say, I want to speak into this. I want to shed light in this. And he's waiting. He's going, come on, I'm right here. We can keep hiding. We can stay silent. But he's saying, man, this is where I want you to enter in. And you might not get all the answers. And here we don't, we don't try to solve it, but we don't hide from it either. Holy smokes, you guys, you know what it feels like when you're just getting, trying to, someone's trying to just give you the answer. It just so often just falls flat. 
But we're not looking to solve it, we're just, we're, but we're not looking to hide from it. We're not looking for a recipe. We're just looking for God in it. Our prayers aren't prayers to, to manage it. Our prayers are prayers of going, God, I just want to see you in it. And our conversation changes. Because it's not about fix me. It's about walk with me. Walk with me in it. Help me to see that God is right there. He says this, Larry Crabb says this, says, there is a darkness of confusion that can only be entered by knowing Christ, by abiding in him and by trusting him to supply supernatural power to hover over whatever darkness we face and then by moving into that darkness with words that bring life. He said, once there's a commitment to go into the darkness and mystery, we must move forward, determined to tell a good story and not to be silent, not to wear the mask, because that story is the story of God reminding us that we can make it. And it's our story and how God worked, which brings us hope, which is in the midst of all of those things is what we're dying for, is hope. Man, you guys, I think about Peter. I think about that guy that sat there and watched his best friend die. An an unfair death. He watched his best friend brutally die. And in that moment when Peter's watching that and what he had to deal with after that was an anger, was a disappointment, was a sadness, was a frustration. He was frustrated around all all that was happening and frustrated with himself and disappointed with himself over the hurt. He was, all of that was happening. But in the midst of that, in the midst of his confusion, Jesus came back. And Jesus came walking up to him. And in that moment, Jesus says to him, hey, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yeah, yeah, I love you. And Jesus looks at him and says, all right, that's, that's all we want for now. That's it. Do you love me? Yeah. I remember when our group used to give advice. We used to give advice all the time. And now we still like giving advice. We still want advice from each other. It's still good to hear from that experience and advice from each other. I remember that. But today it's different Today, it's far less about advice and far more about saying, drop the stupid mask. Stop being silent. Let's get past the emotion. And let's get right to the heart of what's going on. And from this place, let's speak. Let's speak the words that God's given us. From this place, let's say, God is hovering over us. And he is there. And he is speaking to us. Let's address it from that place of love. That's, that's what we've been doing. And that's why when we get done, I mean, Ross and I, was, we were just talking about this before we started. He said, how was Phoenix? And I said, you know, Phoenix is rich. And the reason why it's rich is because I can drop my mask. And we dig right into that. I know you guys don't have an eight-person group that you've been meeting with for 21 years. But is it time for you to recognize the places that you're hurting the places that you're hiding, and for you to, to start addressing it, and for you to see that Jesus is right there, because you guys, God is standing there saying, I'm ready to do a powerful work. Will you recognize that I'm here? 
Father, we pray that you would, would help us to see that. We pray that you would help us to, to, to grab hold of your presence. That rather than us trying to manage it, that we would pray that you would help us to, to recognize you and embrace you in it. God, we pray that you would speak to us and draw us close. We need to be drawn close to you. And God, we pray also that anybody in this place that needs the help, that's raising their hand and saying, I don't know what to do. I pray, Lord, that they would have the courage to not hide, but the courage to say help, to go to the counselor that they need to go to, to go to the help that they need to go to, to say, God, I need you, and I need you to speak through the people in my life. Give them the courage to do that today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing one more song together.